Welcome to You Need a Coach, Bitch. I'm your host, Chris Hale. I'm a certified life coach and coach instructor. I'm also a master dance educator and self-proclaimed Zenial Pop Diva. Every week, I bring you a conversation to help you harness your inner authority by popping the patriarchy and crafting the life of your dreams. Are you ready to unleash your inner creator? Let's go. Hey, bestie. How are you doing? Let me tell you, I had a night last night, but like not in a fun way. So I was going into the city to ride with a soul instructor that I've been wanting to try and was suggested to me as part of like continued instructor development because um, I heard that we just like we have a a similar taste in music and I guess a similar vibe. I don't know. He teaches up at the West 77th Street Studio. Um, All the trains were all types of fucked up. So first of all, we get to Newark Broad Street, which is like two stations away from this city, from New York Penn. And we stop and they're like, hey, so we're going to hold here and like pick up passengers from like a stalled train or something, which I don't even understand how that works because like how did they get back to us? Like where was the train stalled? Did it start working? Why couldn't it go into this? I have so many questions, but you know, I like, I heard some people like talking about it, but like I had my loop earplugs in and I was reading my book and I was just minding my own business. You know what I'm saying? So I never got the explanation for what that meant. Anyway, we're sitting here for like 20 minutes, maybe more. And then people finally start like filling up the train. Um, But I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm not going to make it to this class. Like, it is not happening. And so, I don't know. I think it was like 5.35. Mind you, I got on the train at 4.54. It's like 5.35. I should be in the city by now. It's supposed to be in at 5.30. And I'm like, all right. Maybe I'll just call it. I'm going to go. This isn't happening. And I decide, like, to get off the train. And if you've ever lived in New York City, you know what it's like to be on the subway. And so, you know, sometimes you'll, be like, make a decision about a train that's not running. Like, the train's not going anywhere. Maybe I'll catch the local, whatever. Like, there's something going on in your mind. And you, like, step off the train. And then the train doors start to move. And you're like, ah! And you jump right back on. Well, that's what I did. Because I think it's just like Pavlovian or something. (laughs) I get off the train. um, I start walking up the platform. And all of a sudden, the doors start to close. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to move. So I just jumped back on. Why did I do this? Because it took us another like 35 minutes to get into the city. So... Maybe even more. So I think we got in at like 6.15. So all in all, I was on the train for like an hour and 20 minutes. I missed the class. (laughs) And I basically got right back on another train going the opposite direction. But all the trains were super delayed by that point because there was also like a switch problem coming into Penn. So um, nothing was running. Everything was screwed up. I get back on this train going the opposite direction. So it was the 552, which left at 620. So that that gives you an idea of like where we're at in terms of delays. Um, and that train takes an hour to get back to S- South Orange. Um, and <laughs> I traveled for three hours for nothing. Like I literally never got where it was going. And I just ended up back home and I wasted all that time, which I feel great about, you know, and like, 
I don't really have a lot of time, in my opinion, to be wasting because I'm already kind of like burnt out. But here's the part I actually want to focus on for just a second. And it's that part where I made that decision to get back on the train. Like, I don't know why I did that. And yeah, maybe it was like a Pavlovian, like, you know, I lived in the city for 15 years and like, that's just what you do. And the doors start to close. You're like, oh, I can make it. Um, But I was like fully walking away. I thought the decision had been made, but then I remade the decision. And I think that this comes up for me a lot. Um, And... I think one of the reasons that's just coming to front of mind, and maybe I'll do like a whole nother episode on this, but like this particular reason comes to mind and it comes back to this like episode of Grey's Anatomy where like, you know, someone comes in in an emergency and um, has clearly passed, but Dr. Bailey tells George that he needs to keep like doing things. He's like, well, what would you do next, George? And he's like, I would call it. And Dr. Bailey is like, to save his life. I think I've probably told this story on <laughs> the podcast before. So he keeps doing all of these procedures to try to save the person's life and then eventually calls it. And, you know, he can't figure out why. And Dr. Bailey is like, well, until you figure out why, you're going to keep doing stuff. And in the end, it turned out that, like, the reason why was, you know, because it's a life or death situation, and you want to try to do everything that you can to save someone's life if it's even possible, right? So that you know that you did everything, and so that you can tell the family that you did everything. And this is the thing, though, like... (laughs) I have that belief. I have that belief, like, keep going, keep trying. Let's do everything that we can. And I think in some situations, this can serve me. Like, you know, when I was in crisis mode and trying to fix, uh, you know, the flood in my basement, like, let's do everything that we can, right? But that's a crisis, right? Like, shit's about to get damaged. Like, it's not a good situation. Um, And I can imagine in other, like, crisis situations, this, like, do everything we can thought is really helpful. But, like, in the context of me trying to get to a soul cycle class, like, this is not life or death. (laughs) Like, this, it's not a big deal if I make it or if I don't make it, right? No one's going to die if I don't make it to class. So I do really want to, like, dismantle this belief because I don't think that it's serving me in those kinds of situations where really the outcome is kind of negligible. There isn't going to be any big issue. And it's really just going to be my own voice in my head telling myself that like, I didn't do everything that I could. And that for some reason there is like a moral judgment about that for me, about, you know, needing to always push to the last moment in order to feel like I can let myself off the hook for not showing up. So anyway, I do want to look into this whole thing further about like, you know, why I'm not trusting myself to make decisions and just have them be made. Um, And it kind of ties in today's topic, which we'll get to, but um, you know, I'll keep you posted. That's just what came up on the top of my head. Next up, I heard from a friend um, about last week's episode on how to listen. And what I want to share about that is that she reached out to me and said that she loved the episode and that she wished she had heard it a day earlier because she had been like in a difficult conversation. um, And she'd realized that like she wasn't listening and that like the conversation probably or could have gone so much better if she had just like paused for a minute and like she wasn't trying to be heard so much and she could have just listened to the other person. And the reason why I want to tell you this is because this person's also a coach. 
and she's had all the same training as me. And that does not matter. When we are like having our own everyday interactions, we're all just human. And we can't expect ourselves, no matter how many tools we have, to not be human. And I always laugh when people say that like they don't want a therapist that goes to therapy. And I'm like, bitch, yes, you do. You don't want a therapist that's like all dysregulated and like isn't taking care of their shit, right? Like you don't want that. You really don't. You want to know that that person's also being taken care of. Same thing with coaches. We need support because when we're out there, like living our own lives, it doesn't matter how many tools we have. We sometimes do things that in hindsight, we can see where we were not in our tools. And now it might happen less often, and we might be better at owning it and making amends. And we might be better at like catching ourselves right in the moment and saying like, Ooh, I can feel myself going into a thing, right? We have that awareness that I think if you never do self-reflective practices like therapy or coaching, like you're just not going to gain. Um, but it doesn't mean that we're always going to be like executing that perfectly because that's not the goal, right? The goal is like improved communication and connection and self-awareness and self-trust and building trust with other people. And we don't do that by being perfect. So I just wanted to share that with you because I thought it was a really great reflection on last week's episode. And it's a great reminder for everybody out there that we can be a little less hard on ourselves because even us coaches who have all the tools and all the knowledge, right, still need to hear things to help bring us back into our ourselves and what we're capable of. So on to the main event. And honestly, this could end up just being a little short moment. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But um, I want to talk about the reality of change in terms of like the context of being in a coaching container. And also for those of you who might also be coaches, um, why it can be really hard for us to market ourselves online. And this can go for anyone who's trying to sell stuff. So even if you're selling something physical, like you're selling art, you're selling your music, you're se- whatever you're selling, um, learning how to like talk about the benefits of what we do is part of that. And I think like, if you just look at the coaching space for as an example, I think we've all been sold so many times on the idea that to get clients, we have to be really specific about the problem we solve. And I have to be honest, this has always been really hard for me because A, <laughs> I don't think of what my clients are going through as problems. And that goes back to the training of like remaining neutral. Like I don't see like just the natural human experience as a problem. I do see that these things as like, you know, I can see the emotional distress. I can see how these things are impacting our lives, but it's not a problem. It's just like, you know, things that we want to bring awareness to, things that we would like to improve upon, things we'd like to stop doing. But like, to me, like using the language of a problem means that like something needs to be fixed. And I just don't think my clients need fixing. So that's one thing. The second thing is like, I can help them with so many things. Having been a general life coach for the life coach school, I've coached on literally every topic anywhere all the time. And so like niching down and like picking one person and picking one problem, even like trying to be a general life coach, but then like talk specifically about prop, like again, problems to solve feels really difficult. 
and I this is the main point that I want to, to bring up today. Like those are like those are things that can be sorted out. Like I can, you know, get into the marketing thing sometimes or whatever. But the reality is that like what I help people do doesn't always seem like such a major thing. And I don't want to be like hyperbolic or lie about things. And what's interesting is like I, I did have a client recently who had her first six-figure launch, which is amazing. But that was, like, due to so many smaller, like, seemingly insignificant things, right? Like, they were, they were like, you know, big shifts, but, like, not externally, right? Like, we didn't see big shifts externally. We saw a lot of shifts internally. And it wasn't just, you know, the coaching that we did. It was, like, stuff that she did on her own, her own coaching, her own faith. She also has a business coach, right? So it was, like, this whole... um it takes a village kind of thing going on where there were a lot of contributing things. And so me coming on and being like, hey, do you want to have a six-figure launch? Like, I can't sell you that. <laughs> because, like, I don't ever want to mi- misrepresent what I'm doing. And I know that, like, it's not all about the coaching container. It's so many other things. But what's going on in that coaching container and, like, the ripples that it creates, yes, can eventually lead to something like that, right? But that's like not necessarily what we're doing. So what is it that I really do? I know that I can really help people to replace like the outside noise, like all those voices with their own inner knowing. Like that is one thing that you will walk away with when you work with me. And I want to give you like an example of something that happened really recently with another client. So this client is turning 50, woohoo, and she wants to go away. And she saved money for this, this vacation, and she wants to rent this villa for her and a bunch of friends. And she doesn't know if the friends are going to want to like be in the villa or not be like there was all of these like things up in the air, but like it didn't really matter because really she wanted the villa. But it was like, you know, taking her three weeks to make this decision. We actually coached on it twice. And after the second time we coached on it, I get a message from her saying that like she booked the villa and I'm like, yes, amazing. And this is what people do not talk about when selling to you online, right? We're taught that we need to like speak to the burning problem. Again, I have an issue with that word, right? And then like make people feel urgent, right? Like we have to feel urgency to buy, that we have the solution to this thing that's bothering them, this problem that they have, and like they got to get it now. And even the less pushy marketing and sales coaches like use the same kind of verbiage. Like the only difference is that they they're telling you not to do it like in the sleazy way where you create fake urgency by saying things like, you know, limited time when really there's no limit or like there's only a few spots left when really you've sold nothing. Like <laughs> they're telling you not to lie, but it's still this like psychological sales stuff where we're like it's like a little bit preying on people's desire to get out of pain fast. When the truth is that it's not fast in any way, right? When you're only selling the result, you're not, I, I think it's like we're not being honest about what it takes to get to that result. And really, I know nobody wants to hear this. Like, it's not exciting or sexy to hear like, I'm selling you on this long process to get where you want to go. But that is actually the reality of it. This is like what it was like for my client, right? Making this like seemingly small decision that leads to like the next big decision, right? What you're actually doing is like building trust in yourself over time. You're slowly working toward the day when you make a decision and stick with it. 
<laughs> like me in the train, for instance, right? Like I made a decision, but then I was like, oh, maybe I was wrong about that, <laughs> right? I second-guessed myself. I want to stop doing that, right? So I can sell someone on that, like stop second-guessing yourself. But still, that's that's like, does that sound like really sexy? Maybe not, but that's what, that's what we need. Because in that moment, like I was like, maybe I didn't know what was best for me. Maybe I should just like keep going. But like, why? Why should I keep pushing? Why should I keep going? Right? Those are the things that need to be interrogated. And so like, what it actually looks like is this. It's this process. And I do think that that's hard to sell. Because what we are competing against is people selling potential results instead of doing the work. And now I love Amy Porterfield. I think she's great. But like, let's take her Digital Course Academy, for example, right? To actually make money selling a digital course, you already need to have a following. Or you need to be able to spend a shit ton of money on marketing to sell that product. And that might happen over time, right? Like you might be able to like, spend a lot of money the first year. And I'm not like, listen, we need to invest in our businesses. I'm not I'm not saying that like we shouldn't be investing and in maybe like investing in your business, right? Like, so say you made 100K, but you spent $80,000 on Facebook ads, then you actually only made 20. And you still didn't even really make that because you probably have other expenses. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be investing, but like who has that money to invest? And if you can't invest that money, then you have to invest a lot of time. She also does like a whole list building thing, but list building takes time, right? Um, And not everybody is going to have the ability to do that, but she's selling this as like anybody can create a digital course and have like this, you know, evergreen income coming in. And that's just not true. And that she's making millions of dollars on that promise. Instead of saying like, (laughs) here's the truth. If you want to make a bunch of money selling this course, like you really need a big, you need an audience that's going to be buying. It doesn't have to be a big audience, but it's got to be an audience of like devotees who are going to buy everything that you make. Or, you know, you need to have a bunch of people in your audience and like sell. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, it's so hard to pinpoint exactly that, but like no one's going to buy that. No one's going to buy like, the the potential promise of you making profit on this course if you do a lot of work. <laughs> and now this is probably why I don't have a bigger following <laughs> and that I'm not fully booked. Uh, um, because I have a really hard time reducing what I do to something as simple as just saying, like, do you want to have a six-figure launch? Or, like, find your perfect love match. Because it's so much more than that. And week to week, it looks like way less than that from a materials perspective. Um, And so like, if we think about it, what does it look like to get to the decision of booking the villa, for instance? Well, for this client, it was giving herself the permission to do what she wanted to do, regardless of what others wanted. So like, would other people want to do this? Are people going to think it's too expensive? Should I ask other people to pitch in? I do have them like all of these questions, like, This was all going on in her mind, right? It meant silencing the voice in her head that told her she should be keeping the money, which literally she specifically saved for this trip, in case she needed it for something later. When she has money other places, it's not like this is the only money she has. So like that's also something that she's like battling against in her brain. It meant confronting this like long-held belief about herself that she spends money on like unimportant or frivolous things. And like that came from her childhood, from like 
you know, earning money doing chores one time. And like, she bought like something like to eat or something or like something she wanted that was fun. And her brother like saved the money. And it was like, oh, he saves and you spend, right? And it was like, that's where this belief came from. And it's like, okay, first of all, why are we considering like things that bring us joy or make us happy or like, you know, fuel us as frivolous? But also what's wrong with spending money on things that like make us happy, right? So like this didn't take very long for us to get to the bottom of that and untangle it. But like that could take months with people like untangling that in a coaching container. Like try selling that on Instagram, right? Like no one wants to buy that. Let's spend months untangling your money beliefs. It also meant interrogating the idea that she's impulsive. And I'm like, girl, if you are taking three weeks to make a decision and getting coached on it twice and talking to your friends about it, it's like layers and layers of deprogramming that if done here in this decision can be carried over to other areas. And this is what change looks like. This is what becoming your own authority actually takes. It's work. It's unglamorous. And it's totally worth it. Because while I cannot guarantee you a six-figure launch, I can guarantee that you will walk out of an experience of coaching with more awareness of when you're listening to yourself or when you're listening to those internalized outside voices. And you will learn to become a better advocate for your own well-being and for your own happiness. And like, that's a result that I want. And I think it's a result that a lot of other people want. But we have been so inundated with this marketing online, especially, that is selling you on the fancy thing. It's selling you on the six figures. It's selling you on the new car. It's selling you on the vacation. It's selling you on whatever. It's selling you on that instead of the steps that it's going to take to get there. <laughs> so <laughs> if you've gotten this far and you're like still interested and you're like, yes, I want to do that work. Let's do it together. Book a consult. It can be a lot of fun, but I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that you can absolutely have that end result. We're going to work toward it together. And maybe we need to get a little bit more clear on the small results that we want to create along the way that are going to give us the motivation to keep going. I had a rider who's new to SoulCycle ask me, like, like if I had any advice. And I was like, basically, set yourself some goals. Like, if you are new and you're feeling like you're struggling, like, make your first goal be to be able to stay out of the saddle for the whole first song. Provided we start out of the saddle. But that's a fairly good goal to set because I feel like a majority of classes are starting with some kind of out of the saddle jog or something. Even myself, like I maybe start in the saddle like one class every five classes or something like it's not happening very often. So it's pretty consistent that you can say like that's a goal that you want to set and then you just work toward the next thing, right? We need this. We need this like reframing of what it looks like to celebrate along the way. And to work toward that goal and to not just be so focused on that end result that, to be honest with you, like we may never get there. All right, y'all. I hope you have an amazing week and we'll talk again soon. Bye. If you are loving the podcast, it's time to put a ring on it. It would mean the world to me if you would do one or all of these things. First off, Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts or all the places podcasts are available if you want to be extra. While you're there, giving a five-star rating and leaving a review would be epic. 
And lastly, spreading the love by sharing your favorite episode would be beyond. Thanks, love. We'll talk soon.